the minds of the most influential and successful creatives on the planet. From EDM record labels, club owners, EDM event producers, music industry lawyers, managers, EDM recording artists, and key industry leaders. They are all part of the story when the DJ takes the stage. They push more than buttons. For everything you need to know about the EDM dance music scene, you need this podcast right now. Welcome to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast, hosted by Naughty Natalia. When you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And after working over two decades in the music industry, primarily in the EDM arena, that saying couldn't be more true. That's your naughty girl, Natalia, and this podcast is a true labor of love for the EDM folk, old and new. So just so we're not strangers, I've had the honor to be an EDM recording artist back in my heyday, but I also had a chance to have a morning show on the first dance radio station in the country called Groove Radio back in Los Angeles. I also moved to Florida and helped form what was then called the Ultra Beach Music Festival, which is now Ultra Music Festival, to finally getting back in radio and working at several radio stations in the South Florida area with Party 93.1 F being one of them. Now, on top of that, being part of the Winter Music Conference family and hosting the International Dance Music Awards for over 10 years. I mean, I'm telling you, this has been a true blessing in my career. My journey has given me the opportunity to broadcast live and interview some of the most influential and successful dance music creatives on the planet. I mean, I did create this podcast because they have a voice behind the music they mix and produce. More importantly, Importantly, they truly push more than just buttons. Now, my very first guest not only has produced tons of amazing dance music tracks working with the vocal goddesses like Crystal Waters and more, but this guy has been known throughout the EDM DJ community as a true legend in his field. And the best part? He's an avid entrepreneur with a successful side hustle that has nothing to do with music. I'm sure you're going to want to find out what it is and who he is. Well, let's get into it right now with Armand Pena. What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) What's going on? Oh my gosh, Armand, thank you so much for taking the time to come out today. It's a pleasure. Uh, Yeah, it's so cool to do this right now. Just to kind of give you all some visuals, we're inside the sanctuary room. This is hot. This is awesome, right? Yeah, Yeah, at the Hard Rock. I mean, this is a a great way to kick off and launch the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, no, thank you. I'm telling you, as promised, you're the first guest. And thank you for being part of the development side of Mastermind of a DJ. We did a couple test runs of interviews and stuff, and just to kind of figure out the development and the fabric of what we are, what this podcast is about, what it means for people, why it's relevant. So for those that are just brand new to the dance music scene, give us, and some people don't like to talk about themselves, but that's fine. I'm here to kind of break through whatever makes you feel uncomfortable because your information is going to help many people. Right. So Armand. It all started when uh, we're talking about the days where we had... um, Danny Tanaglia, we had uh, Frankie Knuckles, we had uh, Masters at Work, we had Oscar, you know, from Miami and Mm -hmm. um, all these guys, even locals that were a big influence with me and 
a few others like i'm talking about real 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 underground days back yeah. in the early 90s um where they influenced me um there was an abcd that had a big big influence in me mm. i mean when i'm talking about even crystal waters which she's a friend of mine now yeah yeah you know it's it's surreal to say that she's my friend <laughs> <laughs> when I would listen to her and I loved hearing her and yeah. and now to work with her and I worked with her on a couple of projects. So it's been it's been a growing evolution, you know, and, and if I can do it, obviously anybody could do it. You know, wow. you just got to have heart and a lot of dedication and just put a lot of time into it. Uh, to say Crystal Waters, I mean, it, just you have to go listen to her song. 100% pure love, right? Yes. That's it, right. Okay. And then as well. I actually uh, remixed re that. Uh, yeah, you we, did? Yes, yes. Oh, that's yes. right. I, we actually brought it back. And she, <laughs> what she did was she actually resang it for me. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that little story. Um, we were friends already. Mm -hmm. And um, I told her, hey, let's redo 100% pure love. Wow. Yeah. And then I sent her the beats. And then she told me let's do it so she recut everything and it was amazing that is amazing amazing Armand. to have her yeah recut 100 percent pure love was pretty awesome gosh I'm, I'm a groupie like big time groupie of like christine w like yeah. her vocals alone are haunting and just dominating and just capture me so when i was able to uh, co-host the international dance music awards it was with her and daniel glass from uh, warner brothers and her and you know i had a chance to interview her for the for wmc and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm literally like salivating in my mouth. I'm like uh, almost spitting, talking to her. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's just like, it's going to be OK. <laughs> yeah. And she, she actually took me to meet all of the divas, nice. legendary divas. So I met Christine W. And yep. I met so many um, uh, divas. But There's, it was yeah. just a lot of them that were there for a, an award show. Nice. And uh, I met them all and it was amazing. And then another person that was a big influence me listening to mm -hmm. was uh, Junior Vasquez. Yes, yes, Junior. That's right. So Armand, with all these great experiences, there is the beginning. There is the moment when you planted the flag as a DJ. We all start somewhere, right? right? So give us some background on when you made that decision what were you doing at the time what job did you have what helped you trigger and, and make that decision and say i'm just gonna do this so i was working as a uh, security guard what <laughs> yeah wow i was working as a security guard and at the same time i hired a private engineer to mm. teach me really? how to produce music in my house and it was really expensive but i was just working to pay him Wow. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You did. So what motivated you musically to to say, I'm going to hire an engineer? It just was, uh, it was time. And I had, I was always buying records and mm -hmm. going through all of it. And I was like, I could do this. I was always, back in the day, I would grab two boom boxes <laughs> and hit play record to mix. <gasps> play record. I would put two of them together to make my own mixtapes. No, you did not. Yes, I did. That is so gangster. <laughs> yeah. That's like old school. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty old school. So that's what prompted you. You're like, you know what? I think I need to just kind of get down to the nitty gritty of things and kind of just uh, understand how music is created. Right. Is that so that's I mean, yes, just the, the whole <laughs> the engineering side. So, I mean, I started with, um, you know, Cubase, mm -hmm. the first yeah, Cubase. Cubase. And uh, it was just an evolution from there. Mm -hmm. um, and then it evolved to Nuendo. And I haven't looked back mm -hmm. and I learned a lot more DAWs, which is, uh, you know, digital workstations. Mm -hmm. But now mm -hmm. I um, 
use uh i stick to the window because mm. you don't break what's not broken right Right. right. You stick with it. Yeah. You know, nowadays there's full sale, right? People can right. go to full sale. They can, you know, there's much more accessibility to be able to understand uh, the technical side. I mean, there's a variety of different sides to uh, to dance music. It's not just the production side. There's just a variety of different technical sides to it. But you wanted to have the production. Was it because you're like, I want to control the sound or there's a new sound that has to happen? Well, it was a creative side that I had mm. that, I mean, I, I, I wanted to unleash. I wanted to do. And it mm. was just it was also it was stuck in the box, which means it was stuck in my head. Yeah. So and I just wanted to let it out. But how to let it out it was, it was just you had to figure it out. And how know? did how did you meet this technical guy? It was in I think it was in uh, through a friend. Really? Yeah. And then his name was Adam. And uh, mm-hmm. And I think his company was called uh, Starfish Studios at the time. Really? Yes. And then I went to school for sound engineering afterwards. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, I had to go and hustle and, and network and meet people. Yeah. And once you're done, you have to, you know, shake hands and, hey, do you need somebody? So I went and I started in, my first real true gigs were in the mixed party scenes, which mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, um, pretty much. Um, a mixed party, which is the gay, straights, mm-hmm. you know, cafe mm-hmm. con leche. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I and I played in their Miami tour here. Wow. And then I started doing more of the uh, the whole mixed party scenes for a while. Mm-hmm. And I met a lot of amazing DJ producers at the time. That is fantastic. So you're growing, you're evolving in the scene. Um, you're taking charge. And I think that that's really important for a lot of the listeners here today to, to understand how important that is, because our experiences from back then, like we didn't have social media, yeah. right? We didn't yeah. have, you know, we had vinyl there. It right. was, you had to carry the crates you had to, and you had to, and it was an interesting conversation that I had with Louis D the other day, which by the way, he told me to tell you that he thinks you're absolutely horrible, which means he loves you. <laughs> 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 he put an LOL on behind that when he sent me the text. Make sure you tell him that he's horrible. I'm like, okay, you're a horrible DJ. But you know, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, it was it was pure love. But he, um, but you know, it, it was interesting because it got me thinking too. It's like, you, you know, the rise of the DJ is significantly different. Oh, completely. Now I've noticed Armand and other DJs of his era carry the same ideology about how they feel on social media. It's just not their thing. You see, back in the day, DJs didn't even have to share any part of what their private life was like. Oh, completely. Social media, just talent is out the door. It's it, who's, it is. It's okay. a, it's, it's a popularity yep. contest now. Mm. And there's a lot of us that are not into social media. So now we have to adapt. Yeah. And it's really hard because I always love to stay behind the scenes. Yeah. Always. Right. So now it's I have to share like who I am, what do I do? Or it's, I don't even know where to even start because I know a lot of people that have been successful. Mm-hmm. We all know Khaled. We don't, yeah. we, we've known Khaled for decades. Yeah. And I'm so happy for his success. But now he's like a mogul for social media and he's, he's, he's doing amazing. But mm-hmm. for me, it's just, I, I, I just, I'm not that guy, you know? Just, mm-hmm. you know, I'll try and I'm learning and I have now a team that's mm-hmm. trying to help me yeah. put it together so I can do TikTok and yeah. and do stories and just have fun with it. Right. So maybe uh, maybe trying, you know, having a, a glass of bourbon while I am then <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. So yeah. So all right. So I'm gonna keep digging okay. because there is there is that thing again. It's planting the flag. 
Right. The creative side had to come out. And, you know, again, a lot of the younger generation has so much more access to information and opportunity, you know, but even DJing back then, there was no such thing as a sync button when no. you're playing vinyl. Like it, you had you had you had turntables yeah. and you had a pitch control. Yeah. If you didn't know how to mix, you weren't even getting a job. <laughs> you know, you had to ride that that turntable yeah. and just nudge it to make sure those beats were on time. And then mm -hmm. using three turntables was even better. Oh. And then. Music is so accessible now. Back in the day, you had to show up at a record store. You got to remember, back in the day, there were only three record stores that you could go to to get your vinyl goods and play at your next party. There was no such thing as Sirius XM or Pandora or even Shazam to grab any kind of music. And very few radio stations barely played the latest in underground dance music tracks. I mean, they were only known in regular mix shows and not talked about. It was like a forbidden fruit or something. But if you wanted to get what was played at the clubs, well, you had to hit the streets and put in that sweat equity to get what you wanted on vinyl. The records arrived to get the first pick of the crop, of the cream of the crop. Right. Because there's only a certain amount that's, that uh, was that's printed. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those that everybody was there. It would be either Nightbeat Records mm -hmm. in Hialeah or it was Groove Man. You know, and um, or Car Jewel Records in Coral Gables. Uh, there was a record pool that I was working with back in the day during Hard House days. It was uh, I think it was Dixie Dance Kings. But the uh, the record pools at the time were doing their best to serve as a service for DJs, you know, and then you have those billboard charting DJs just to even get that kind of accolade like that. You can get the latest and greatest. Again, it was work like, yeah yeah it was work you it, had to you had to like God. if you had a if you had a job this was a job because you had to go in there you had to do your research and then you had to listen to each and every record go through it or wait until someone got off the record plate yeah that where you sample everything to listen mm -hmm. to and wait for them because it wasn't enough yeah and that's not and that job is not paying you it's like you're investing your time Right. And your money and you're right. hoping that the records that you bought will make a change. Correct. Well, and uh, in other words, provide you the impact that you're looking to make on the dance floor. I think that nowadays as successful creatives, it is super important. Your results speak through your art. You're listening to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with Naughty, Naughty Natalia. Natalia. We'll be right back after this. Mastermind of a DJ podcast is powered by Vixen's Cabaret. Located minutes from the Hard Rock in downtown Fort Lauderdale at 3050 Burris Road in the good old town of Davie, Florida. Their X-Force promo team is the best that I've seen in a long time as these group of ladies have mastered the art of promoting Vixen's Cabaret by sharing the love of what Vixen's is all about by visiting all the local clubs, concert venues, and events in the South Florida area. Now with Vixen's teaming up with Groove Cruise, they are now part of the Cruise Control Tour with special guest appearances from international DJs like Marcus Schultz, Lavelle Dupree, and so much more. And our alliance with Vixen's Cabaret and Brew Cruise will help bring the voice behind the decks to light on our show. So stay tuned and listen to the end of our podcast as we announce the next DJ scheduled to appear at Vixen's Cabaret. Welcome back to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with your host, Naughty Natalia. So let's get into what you think about the concept of what a successful creative is. I think you have to, I, I think you have to diversify uh, mm. more than ever now. Music and then 
this the way you get your gigs, all the financials that come, everything that you're gonna make in a gig. I if I would have had a person, a mentor teaching me when I was touring and traveling everywhere. All right, listen, you're gonna take. 30%, 20% and just put it away. And then once you're done, like just start buying properties. Yeah. And this, just to diversify, to have passive income because this business is so, so cutthroat these days yeah. that we didn't know this at the time. I saw it coming. That's why I started diversifying. How did you know to, to find it though? You I, know what I'm I saying? I just saw, I felt it. You know, it's that feeling in 2008 mm -hmm. when the market crashed mm -hmm. and the housing crashed. I yeah. saw it. I saw it coming and I was just like this is something's not right. You know, I was doing my events because I divert, I actually started doing festivals right. um, in Nikki Beach. Yeah. I, I, I started the brand Welcome to Miami. And then once I started Welcome to Miami, uh, I trademarked it and I had from Little John, Avicii, we had, I, I partnered up with Audiofly. Mm -hmm. So we had an underground room, we had the beach side and then we had the upstairs. But I just started, I saw an opportunity and I always went for the opportunity. Right. Always. Right. So when I saw opportunity, I went after it. And that's how I started my events. And then I started um, my business as well. Mm -hmm. But it was all about diversifying. Again, if I would have had a mentor before when I was traveling, mm -hmm. acting like, you know, it was a shit show and just having a great time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a shame, but it's just what I would love to teach people as well because it's, uh, it's, it's a cutthroat business and it's sometimes it's a great business, but, and then it's, you know, to the point. Yeah, it is. And you know, and I think it's more of like a, uh, it really is a self-awareness aspect of yourself. Um, again, you know, I had, I had that conversation with Lewis and we were talking about the future self. Like how does someone who's 20 years old, who's like looking at cascade to all of these different DJs, they're, they're living large on social media and everyone sees the glory, but they don't know the story. And, you know, everyone has to pay their dues in some way, shape or form. What we did growing up in, in our age group, it, uh, we had to go out and make those relationships. We had to show up to those events when people promoted them. It's sad to me that a lot of people don't continue to do that. They think that sharing an event on social media is showing support, which is great, but in, you need people there. <laughs> yeah, you need people there now. And it's, uh, it's, it's just still evolving. It's still changing. Um, and it's one of those things where you just got to adapt and then adapt to that environment now and mm -hmm. adapt to what, changes and that's what i've been now working on now through armand's journey adapting and shape-shifting as a dj and entrepreneur he was on the brink of conquering yet another peak in his music production career when tragedy hit on and it hit hard because twice. i took a, a break because of my uh, my business mm -hmm. and uh, i was working with eric still mm -hmm. you know uh, yeah. at the, um, recently until uh, his eric, passing eric morello yes mm -hmm. So um, we had a lot of things ready to go. You know, we had a, so many great projects. He was cutting vocals in L.A. And uh, he would tell me, listen, I have the vocals. I'm going to send them to you. And it was one of those things where it was just exciting. And, I, you know, I'm really close to the whole subliminal family. Right. So it was one of those things where it's uh, now everything halted, sort of, because I still I focused after the pandemic. I left music in mm -hmm. general and mm -hmm. I just studied a new trade mm -hmm. just to find the time to find a new trade. And then uh, I worked on my business, which is a brick and motor. Uh, it's a, a power sports recreational yeah. dealership. Yeah. And your dealership, uh, by the way, when I walked in, 
I'm like, oh my God, look at this bike. Look at that bike. Oh my God, this is so dope. It, but no one would ever know because it, it's like you had to slice yourself in two. You're right. the successful DJ, producer. Everyone knows you as that. And then you're like, well, I, I have to take care of, of my bread and butter too because in case I can't go DJ, I need to uh, diversify my income. Correct. So to be successful, in my eyes, you're very successful. Extremely. I yes. It, no, and, and I, I admire that. It's a that. lot of hard work. <laughs> it is. It's tireless. But yes. you know what? You have such a great attitude about it. What were the daily habits that you, you know, just give us some insight. The daily habits that you incorporated to help lead you to the success through those th those moments that could have distracted you right it it, it it really evolves with putting everything i think in anything or everything mm -hmm. i saw the opportunity then i i would always do my due diligence and, and start doing some research mm -hmm. and it's it takes a team mm -hmm. it always does it, it takes does. it takes an idea but and then it takes a team to make it happen but it starts with you you have to go and give it all i mean I'm always, uh, I put all my cards in, yeah. you know, if I'm going to invest in something, I'm all in if it makes sense. Mm. And I saw things that made sense and I just took a leap of faith, took the gamble. And, um, it started with just me taking that first step. And it's always like that with everything. And then piecing together the people, you know, from my events, my events, I put a team together. I put partners together. I, I just made sure I put products together that would make the events or anything I do, any, anything successful. And it was a lot of work. It wasn't easy, but um, and tireless nights, mm -hmm. sleepless nights, start from, the, from like seven in the morning, six in the morning, mm -hmm. and, and end at um, the wee hours, like three in the morning, four in the morning. So it's one of those things where you can't stop. You know, once you take that first step, you just can't stop. Don't look back. And uh, you don't have when I asked Armand what kept him going before Murillo died and before the pandemic hit, his answer was heartfelt. My motivation was just following Murillo's mm -hmm. um, encouragement words. Like he would come to my house, listen to this, and then Harry would come. Harry Romero yeah. would oh, come and wow. tell me, "Hey, listen, um, uh, we're gonna be here at this day." This is before pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, this is pre-pandemic. <laughs> We had so many things like that were in the pipeline. Yeah. So that's what kept me going, which was you're working with a legend. Yeah. So that's what kept me going and just inspired because I would produce like the last record before the pandemic hit. We, we were supposed to drop his album. It was 2019. I have goosebumps. Yeah. He was supposed to drop his Miami album. And then they, they sent me the video. Look, and they called me from Ibiza and they told me, listen, we're featuring everything. And it's the, it's going to be the, like we're featuring it as mm -hmm. one of the premier records on the compilation. Right. I was like, amazing. Awesome. I'm excited. And then they sent me the video. He's like, we're gassed up. But now there's a remix and we're going to release the remix in the summer for Ibiza. And I was like, perfect. But pandemic happened. Nothing happened. Right. That's what kept me going was having that surrounding, that inner circle that mm -hmm. gave you that extra, you know, I mean, who better than, you know, Murillo yeah. telling you, hey, giving you a call at three in the morning and telling you, hey, <laughs> I like this. Hey, I'm in L.A. Yeah. Are you up? I'm like, yes, I'm up. Yeah. What's up? He's like, I just cut some vocals for this new project, which it's still there, but he never sent me the vocals. He said he sent it, but I don't see it in the Dropbox. Oh. But I'm going to have to do this regardless. And uh, I don't know if I have to speak to because I know Armada mm -hmm. was uh, distributing it, mm -hmm. but I have so many things on the pipeline. When the pandemic fully hit, I really took a break. Hmm. I said, I'm not doing this. 
And um, I mean, there's a lot of emotions behind it, too, because you're a human being. Of course. Right. Of and, course. and there was, you know, um, unfortunate events that that were associated to Murillo and the whole what had happened. And, right. we, you know, we don't get into that. But, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize like you had to you had to really kind of like everything stopped for you. It wasn't just the pandemic. You were ready to just launch. Like this right. was like the like Armand Pena 2.0. Correct. Correct. And it you was know? exciting. It was really exciting. And, um, wow, you know, it's just one of those things that you just take a step back and you're like, OK, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I've 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 gone through so many things and obstacles in my life that it's one of these things that I'm just that much better that once I get in there, mm -hmm. I know what I want. I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to get it done regardless in general, whoever's encouraging me or or pushing me or, or telling me otherwise, you know, because right. it's a new world. It's a new world. You have social media. You have all this, which is like I said, it's not like back in the day where the music spoke. Armand also had something else that kept him going in life that was played via cassette tape. And yeah, it wasn't music. What speaks to you? Because I, I remember in our conversation previous, we were talking about cassette tapes, right? Oh, yeah. But Tony Robbins was one of the... Oh, my gosh. Remember? Of course, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I remember this <laughs> so, conversation. So let's, let's kind of get into that because <laughs> right. th these are those habits that uh, you got to have a university on wheels, right? Ooh. So when you're in traffic right now, that you, you can listen to the radio and look, I'm, I'm a big champion for those in radio. Right. But where did you find free time for that kind of personal development? I would always do it. I had a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> No windows. Oh, fantastic. A radio with a cassette player. I mm -hmm. would drop that cassette. Mm. And it was uh, uh, obviously Anthony Robbins <laughs> <laughs> giving, me, giving me school giving lessons. Giving you school, right? Yes. And what did you take from that? What were some of the things you started incorporating from what you were learning from, from Tony? I mean, self-motivation, self-inspiring, you know, just blocking off the noise and just focusing on, on, on things that were just going to make you even that much more stronger, better just all that mental capital that he gives you to inspire you. Yeah. And I think that that's important for those to, to keep that. I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. I really do. Good I'm, for you. I, I do. I seriously do. I get up at 5 a.m. I meditate and I read. Right now I'm on a book uh, called Atomic Habits. And uh, it's my 215th book that I've read in personal wow. development. That's, that's why amazing. I'm saying that's why I'm doing this, because this is this has to be a narrative for people to survive and thrive in, right. in the music industry. Um, so how did success affect your personal life? Uh, <laughs> let's go. That's the partying. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're always surrounded by just the nightlife, you yeah. know, and especially, you know, you're you have access to everything. Yeah. From I mean, from drinks shots mm. and, and 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 just people in general and just in that party environment and they always want to host you and just you know you you show up and it's like what do you want what do you want to drink where's your rider and mm -hmm. you know you get all the bells and whistles when you travel because everything's taken care of you know so uh it's one of those things where it's just sometimes it got out wild. if you're an aspiring artist or looking to manage artists djs or even bands a writer agreement is pivotal. I mean, it basically details the wants and needs that are necessary for the artist to have on the day of the show. And of course, we can't forget, it includes the details on how you get that moolah. Now, Little John's writer, for example, this guy only wanted green M&Ms. Like, really? Yeah, I think I, we had spoken we about, Little, about John's, <laughs> Little John's writer. That's right. 
<laughs> that was wild. That was wild. Can you give us some insight? Yeah. So I when think. when I did an event mm-hmm. and it was at Nikki Beach, uh, one of my headliners of several um, mm-hmm. were was Little John. Yeah. We had we actually had MTV as well, like be part of you know the PR and everything nice. as well because it was Little John. Right. So. I had to book four different flights from four different locations to bring all his friends together. Wow. So I had to do all this while I was actually taking care of making sure that all his mm-hmm. friends stayed in the same floor mm-hmm. where he was at as well. And, oh. then, and then we had to bring all the crunk juice, you know, wet, uh, sweating towels. <laughs> yeah, it was just wild. All kinds I mean, of stuff. Yes, yes. It was, and PlayStation, I think. Did they really uh, use the PlayStation? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do any of it. <laughs> okay, I'm like, why did they need a PlayStation? I did. I did bring all their friends. <laughs> I did all the, anything that was really important on that rider. I handled, but the rest of the like small little bells and whistles, we didn't because right. we knew he was just going to be all over the place, mm-hmm. so it wasn't going to matter. So here you are. You're thriving in the music scene, and you're utilizing Tony Robbins to help keep you going. And um, I was younger and you were younger yeah, yeah, and yeah. but you, you instilled these are positive habits. These I'm still are still young, things, though. Yes, you are. OK, yes. <laughs> he gave me a stank eye right now. OK, so Armand at this time is thriving, right? I mean, his events at Nikki Beach are insanely successful. He's booked all over the place to DJ besides his residency. And now this guy wants to include more on his plate of success. You'd think he's crazy. Well, the start of his side hustle, which is now a thriving luxury bike rental business, all started with a Ducati. Yeah, one Ducati. Now combine that with a buddy who knows a thing or two about SEO and, well, you start getting calls, like a lot of calls. dealership, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. the dealership, yeah. So it started with an idea. It started with the Ducati. And then um, I'm actually in the studio producing a record, and we had worked with a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. now, and he started doing the SEO. Mm. So all our business was generated through Google, through search engines. And I'm in the studio working on a beat. My my phone (laughs) would ring on it, and I'm like answering, and they're like, yeah, we want to rent a motorcycle. (laughs) What? And I'm like, yeah, what do you want to (laughs) rent? They're like, yeah, we want to rent one of your Ducatis. We saw your ad, and I was like, all right, perfect. So I would stop what I was doing, run, drop off the bike, Call a friend. Hey, come pick me up. Take me back home. What? Yeah, and then I would continue doing music. And then the following day, I would pick up the bike. They'd call me. Hey, I'm done. So I'd go and meet up with the customer. And how did you know how to? Because obviously that started with one bike. Then it went to two bikes. Then it went to three bikes. You started basically scaling your business. Correct. How did that come to two bikes? Like, So we, uh, I saw that it was the demand was high. Mm. It was a big demand. So I still didn't take it serious because I was still focusing on you know, producing music. And it was just one of those side hustles. Yeah. You know, and I I believe everybody should have a side hustle. Yeah. Take note. (laughs) So um, it started, the demand was more, more and more and more and more, more phone calls. And I was just like, wow, this thing looks like it could work. So, and then I took it from my house. Mm -hmm. I went to a friend called me and she's like, hey, one of my friends is opening up a dealer and then you can get a little kiosk and uh, set up right there in the dealer wow. so you can rent your bikes because right. it started started catching on yeah. to the bike world. So I saw the opportunity. So we went there. And then from there, I went to a warehouse from that warehouse. I, I worked out a deal with Ducati. I was in Ducati uh, for a little bit mm. until I started seeing that I could do it on my own because yeah. the demand was still... And I was still trying to do my music and do this at the same time. Fantastic. So I was 
just seeing that, okay, now this is getting, like, what do I take serious? Because mm-hmm. I see that I'm generating consistent revenue on a certain platform. And then, yeah, you know, with music, you don't do it for the money. Never do it for the money. The money will come. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, and I, I'm dead serious about that. Hmm. The money comes. Just do it for the passion. Do it for the love. Do it because it's within your heart, hmm. you know, that you love. Hmm. Money's going to come. Right. It'll come. So don't even worry about that. So I said, you know what? Let me focus a little more on this this bike stuff because, and I say bike stuff, because <laughs> it was just one of those things That's that amazing. I had to grow into it, learn it, adapt it. Uh, from uh, you know a guy that would pay everybody to do everything to me getting my hands dirty, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and it and now it's a, it's a store which I'm about to probably in the next six months just move out to another bigger location, still in Wynwood, Buena Vista, Little Haiti. Right. You know, separating yourself as a brand can be difficult, especially when you're venturing out into other areas of business that has nothing to do with what you've been comfortable in doing. And what I've learned from Armand so far is to learn how to delegate responsibilities when it comes to expanding your personal and side hustle brands. Now you have two businesses. You have Armand Pena, the DJ, and you have Armand Pena, who's the business owner. Right. Um, and you have this business now that you're scaling upward. Now, now you're really starting to, to blow up even more so. What is important in marketing your brands? Because now you have two simultaneous businesses, really. Right. So, again, going back to social media, yeah. um, I am now currently getting coached to do <laughs> me again. <laughs> me. Yeah. And then I, I, hired a, I had to hire someone else to handle the business yeah. because it's just too much. It's overwhelming. And just to be creative, you just can't have a lot on your mind. You can't. I know. You know, and I try to, like, come evening, that's when I actually start forgetting about anything that involves a operating or running a business or any of that. It's more of a, okay, now I want to be me, you know, wow. and be creative. So now I'm, it's adapting to the environment because I was never educated on how to multitask. I had to teach myself how to like multi, multi, multitask, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, learning experiences from all these festivals, yeah. dealing with all these agents, you know, it, 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 it teaches you a lot. I mean, I had a lot of great people around me, like, you know, the pen, like Mike Penrod, Yeah, you know, good friend of mine. He taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he was a good mentor and all these other, you know, I had, all these books I read and, you know, things that just self-motivation, you know. What would be a book in your library that you can say, hey, I need you to read I think this. There's, there's one book that I really, really like and I enjoy. Uh, and it's, uh, I can pronounce his last name, but it's Neil Pratita, Pratuta. Okay. And uh, it's called Hustle. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I'm going to write that down right now. <laughs> I, get the I wish, book, I mean, it, once once you have it and put it on, uh, on, on, I guess when you post it, yeah. the art, I mean, the publisher. The publisher, fantastic. Yes. You know, the- Let's talk about sacrifice being a DJ and or artist going from gig to gig each and every weekend. Now, Armand and many other DJs I know have or have had schedules that had them touring almost 360 days a year. That's like, what, five days off? Now, that does a lot to the mind. It does a lot to the emotions and affects your personal life in a really big way. There's a quote I know that relates to a lot of us, especially in the hospitality industry, which says, while you were partying, we were working. You know, it's like birthday That's parties a true and events. Like, you know, you can have a full-time job 
but then you have the weekend job that you have to take care of too. And that's when all the personal stuff happens. Right. How were you able to, to manage that? It was hard. I wasn't, I had to sometimes send friends to record, Really. you know, to see like I had my son at the time, he was playing football mm-hmm. and uh, I would tell my boys, I'd be like, go with a camera, record it for me, mm-hmm. video to you. And they'd be like, yeah, we'll do it. And then when I would arrive, I think I was, I was, I think it was a trip that I was going to Switzerland oh, wow. and I arrived and I text him right away. I was like, did you record it? Yeah. He's like, no, we got it. I was like, dude, just send me the video now. <laughs> but it, it wasn't even on digital. It was VHS. Just, no, not VHS. Like on a dat, like a, one of those small. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. I know, you know what you're talking about. Tape, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, How it was did- tough. It was tough. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. Cause you know, you, 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 you miss a lot. You do. You miss a lot. Right. Concerts. I remember all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I enjoy all of it. Yeah, I do too. And I think that that's why I'm doing this podcast now is because there is a certain sacrifice. You know, I couldn't tell, begin to tell you how many weddings or um, birthday parties and things like that, that, you know, it was my business. It was the Naughty Natalia brand. I'm like, if you want to hang out with me, you're going to have to come to Club Space on Saturday night where I'm broadcasting and I can't meet you beforehand because I'm I'm doing a, a you know, an event or a remote at this other location. I was br- it was grinding. I was yeah. working seven nights a week. Wow. I would listen to you, though. I, know. <laughs> I would listen to you. <laughs> I, was, I lived out of my car practically. Uh, I'd work in Clevelander and then I'd have to go to and Clevelander on South Beach on uh, on Ocean. And then I'd go to space sometimes like I did not have a personal life. How were you able to emotionally manage that? It was tough because, you know? I mean, you're going from hotel to hotel, you know, and then you, what balances and grounds you is when you land back in your hometown. Yeah. And then you just what do you do? You're either um, I was either programming, getting ready to do an event or getting ready to play a venue. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was uh, exciting. Right. At the same time, you just take those little moments and just make the best out of them. Before you had to hit the road or you just yeah. had to find that balance. Right. Yes. Arman, that's that is that is like mental toughness yes. and emotional toughness. Yes. And that's where the sacrifice comes in. A mad respect for that. When did you realize uh, your life's purpose? My life's purpose was I realized it probably when I got faced with a lot of challenges and um, it kind of shifted my mindset where I had to focus on not only me but just you know try to kind of encourage anybody that was around me and uh, help them out I actually um, left to serve a medical mission what yes to to and went on retreats and all these like self you know um, you know trying to find yourself you know at the same time and it was funny because a good friend of mine invited me to this, which I only say that he is in the industry. Okay. And um, very, I mean, he's had a, a lot of success mm-hmm. and he invited me. And I told him, at first he goes to me, hey, you want to go on vacation with me? <laughs> and I was thinking, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. He's like, all right, pack your bags. You're coming on vacation yeah. with me. Yeah. And you know him well too. Okay. Um, very, very famous. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, I went with him on vacation and he took me to a retreat. (laughs) And then from there, (laughs) I I, just a lot of things changed for me. And Mm. then I I left on a medical mission and seeing that and helping others in another country 
was just earthly, you know? Is that something you recommend for those that are on this journey? Uh, I, I would recommend it to anybody and everybody because when I, I mean, it was just life-changing. At least do it once in your life, you know? Mm. Uh, you know, just help. Right. You know? That's fantastic. There's people who need it. Armand, this is like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I have a lot of emotions going on right now. So two of the last questions uh, I'm going to ask you. Uh, the first one is what matters to you most right now? Right now, what matters to me yeah. is family, mm -hmm. you know, keeping, you know, everyone happy, uh, my girls, my son, yeah, and making sure that uh, anybody that's around me and that's part of my life, making sure they're happy, making sure that I can, you know, be that rock to them yeah, and um, just fulfill, you know, just I think that's the most important thing um, is to be self-gratitude self-fulfillment of of being happy with wherever you are in your life you know wow it's happiness yeah. and you can't put a price tag on that no I, I would say that uh yeah giving your time to the music industry and giving your time through your music because music is what feelings sound like oh 100 percent, exactly yeah exactly you can express yourself yeah by a chord by chord progressions, by complexity, you know, right. um, by just lyrics that you possibly think of. And then, yes, if you think of something, call an artist and then say, hey, I need your help or call. You know, there's so many ways that anybody that's um, doing music, mm -hmm. producing music can can get things done. And it's easier these days. Oh, my God. There's so many platforms that are doing it for you already. Right. There's so many platforms that you just send an email. You have you can get acapellas. You can find things. There's, I mean, there's all these samples. It's just, it's gotten so easy that anybody and everybody can do it. But there's the real, um, I guess, uh, artist that can do it in a way that it talks to people and you don't have to use so many samples. Yeah. You, yeah. You cut those samples up. Mm -hmm. You know, you call a musician, you call an artist and you make it even more organic where you have it be that much more special. Fantastic. This last question is the question, right? So what will you do when the party is over? Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I answered this once. <laughs> Family. Yeah? Family and just uh, being behind the scenes and helping others would be, I mean, self-gratifying. That is, and that's happiness in itself, yes, right? Yeah. It's being able to give back. Yes. Wow. Well, this has been really just an intense 40 minutes with you <laughs> uh, sitting here inside the Hard Rock Cafe Miami and, and just really having a chance to now kind of just put this down digitally and have that conversation. And so thank you for being the first guest. To Thank like, you for having me. Yes. And that's a wrap. What an incredible interview that was with our very first guest, Armand Pena. Now, next week, we get into the mastermind of a longtime friend of mine. You might know him. His name is Marcus Schultz. Now, it's Naughty Natalia, and Mastermind of a DJ podcast is powered by Vixen's Cabaret. They're located at 3050 Burris Road in Davie, Florida, just minutes from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And they are known as the Sexy Circus because when you walk into that place, 
you're greeted with top-notch customer service with spacious seating. And when you look up, I mean, be ready for an incredible show with live aerial and acrobatic entertainment, live fire shows, stilt walkers, and so much more. Now, our alliance with Vixen's Cabaret and Groove Cruise allows us to be part of the Cruise Control Tour with special guest appearances from international DJs just like Marcus Schultz, Lavelle Dupree, and so much more. Now, tonight you'll be able to find Mr. Gray on the decks for a very special appearance. And next week on Thursday, September 23rd, you'll hear the sounds of damaged goods at Vixen's Cabaret. Now, grab those table reservations while they're still available by calling 954-649-5795. Now, thanks for listening, and don't forget to drop us a review for some feedback and for some cool swag by signing up for our newsletter online and don't forget to get out of your head i mean that's where all the wealth is at in the first place thank you for listening to the mastermind of a dj podcast with naughty natalia follow us on our social media handles at mastermind of a dj or log online at mmofadj.com